I never graduated college. I went and I took some courses and I, but I was hired on my hard work and my can do attitude, really, you know, just, and that's what moved me up. I just said, I can do it. Let me try. And I just moved up. So I think I got really lucky in that aspect that I uh, got hooked up with a company that really embraces people for who they are and what they can bring to the table. And they kind of leave everything else out. You know, they, they want to nurture you into being the best that you can be. Hey, Construction Nation. Welcome to Lead with Trust. I'm Sue Dyer, and I've been on a three-decade journey to figure out how to make sure our construction projects succeed and produce some extraordinary results. My trusted leader journey has led me to work on over 4,000 construction projects worth over $180 billion. In this podcast, I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. One thing I know is that it starts with the leaders of the businesses and organizations that come together to build a project. If that's you, let's get going. Hey, Construction Nation, this is Sue Dyer with Lead with Trust, and this is part four of our Bringing Women into Construction series. And I'm doing this series, at least six episodes, probably more, because we have a big problem in the industry where we have a half a billion different jobs that are going unfilled. And it seems like we need to figure a new way of getting these filled. And it seems pretty obvious that half the population there is women. We ought to be looking at how can we bring more women into the industry. And so we're exploring that in this series. And today we are exploring with one of the women that I think is a rock star. She's a project manager on a project I've been working on. Uh, she's from New Jersey. Her whole crew is from New Jersey. And they brought them all out to California to work on a project here. And it is ahead of schedule and under budget, and it is rocking. So we're going to listen to Tara Rowe today to share about her journey and her advice on working as a woman in the construction industry. So let's listen in to Tara. Hey, Construction Nation, welcome to part four of Bringing Women into Construction. And today we're so excited to have Tara Rowe here. I have been working with Tara now for about almost two years, I think, on a project. And she is a total rock star. Anybody would be lucky to have her uh, leading her project. I mean, Really, the project has just been smooth and good and excellent. So welcome, Tara. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So I know that this is the first project that Allied Painting has done in California or on the West Coast. So so tell us a little bit about the project and what you're doing and uh, and why you guys decided to come to California. We're working on the Richmond-San Rafael Bridge. We are cleaning and painting a portion of it. We also have some steel repairs and joint replacement being done. We decided to come to, to California 
you know, we're always looking for new opportunities, new places to work. You know, we go where the work is. So uh, this was an opportunity. And luckily, we were able to land the job. And it's it's working out very nicely. I like it a lot. So tell us a little bit about I, what I one of the things I think is so interesting is how, how you guys brought your crew out. So talk about that, how that decision got made and kind of how that's played out for you, too. That was actually one of our biggest obstacles. We we do a lot of work on the East Coast spread out. But, you know, it's it's never this long of a project when we have to house guys uh, set up an entire operation on the other side of the country. Um, it was challenging, but we have a great group, group of guys in New Jersey that work for us. And some of them were willing to travel, which was great. We got them out here. Uh, we got them set up in housing and vehicles and just, and then we brought in guys from all over the country, Louisiana, Texas. Uh, we have some local California guys and gals. So it was a challenge because it was the first time doing something like this across the country. But it once we figured out the logistics, it really ran smooth. And and I think the guys are happy with their their setup. Yeah. So I wanted to know what kind of feedback have you gotten from them? Really no complaints. Just once we found housing for them and, and we're able to get them in there and get them set up with all their necessities, I haven't heard any complaints. So. That, that that's pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's pretty good. So I know that mostly you've worked on the East Coast, and I, I hear you talk about all the time how different it is. So, talk tell us about what you've seen is different from working on the East Coast and working on the West Coast. I think just the atmosphere. A big part of it, honestly, is weather. When we work on the East Coast, we shut down. We have to shut down usually mid December, and we can't work until maybe March. And then once you get into the spring months, you have rain, you know, uh, wind, all the really harsh elements that can delay a job. And in California, the weather, I know the drought is very bad for California, but it's the lack of rain and weather. It, it's really allowed us to just keep on moving and, and really come in ahead of a schedule, which is nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So how long, how did you come to work in construction? And how long have you been working in construction? I've been working in construction since I've been a teenager. I worked at some small construction companies right out of high school. You know, I took a little time off, started a family. And I had a friend that said, you know, we could use some part-time help. And I started with this company 15 years ago answering telephones and doing little odds and ends around the office. And just every day I was like, what else can you do? What else can I do? You know, what else can I learn? And little by little, I was moved into the bidding department where I was doing all the bid paperwork and preparing all the forms, learning how to read a spec and really learning it from the ground up, I think was really beneficial for me. Um, and then eventually I was moved into contract administration where you're basically supporting project managers who are out in the field from the office. And then eventually, luckily, I got moved into a project management position. And I really, I really like it. I really like being out on the job, boots on the ground, you know, seeing 
the work progress every single day. It's a really good experience. So in five years, where do you sort of hope, aspire to be? I would really like to take some engineering classes just to help me along with some of the more technical blueprint reading and things like that. And I'm interested in the quality control aspect of the job. So I would like to take some of the those certification courses and get into some of the inspection and more of the hands-on stuff. So what has been your experience in working in an atmosphere that is construction? I think I got really lucky and I know that's not always the case, but this company that I work for is you know, they're an EEO company and they're affirmative action. And they, if you can do the job, they will hire you. They don't care where you came from. They don't care about your background, even in education, because I never graduated college. I went and I took some courses and I, but I was hired on my hard work and my can do attitude, really, you know, just, and that's what moved me up. I just said, I can do it. Let me try. And I just moved up. So, I think I got really lucky in that aspect that I uh, got hooked up with a company that really embraces people for who they are and what they can bring to the table. And they kind of leave everything else out. You know, they, they want to nurture you into being the best that you can be. I know that's not the experience for a lot of others. I do believe that maybe some of the delay in promoting or moving up was an issue, but it was cleared up because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty aggressive, <laughs> you know, and I, and I, if I want it, I'm going to go after it. So I got really lucky with the company I'm with and even the crew in the field, you know, when you go out and you meet them, they're very accepting. They just want to get the job done. And I think that's the company's motto. almost like, let's just work together and get the job done. So For me, I was lucky. I know that's not a lot of experience for other people or other women. Um, And I've seen it. I've seen it happen to other women and other in, you know, out in other industries. So I I do feel pretty lucky that I was able to get into this this particular company who embraces it more. You know, it's been that's exactly my experience doing instruction. Really, that's they great. didn't care if you're purple, green, right. whatever. If you can do the job, that's right. And if you want, yeah, that's that's exactly been my experience too. It's like the most you wouldn't think it, but it's the most open place I've ever seen. That where the opportunity really is there if if you step up and you and you take it. Right. Yeah. Of course, they they don't suffer fools gladly either. But <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> But there's not any nuance. No, no. You are what you are. Yeah. That's right. So having been here for a while, what ideas or thoughts do you have about bringing more women into the industry? I think I think a lot has changed. I think the industry has come a very long way, but I'm not sure everyone realizes that. You know, I'm not sure that when they're searching for a job, they're looking at these options. And honestly, in my opinion, a great place for someone to start is their local unions. Um, Unions 
encourage women to apply, encourage women to join their apprenticeship programs. They give all kinds of training and certifications. Um, it's a great place to start. But I think the the best way is just to get the word out that these jobs are there and and that you're capable of doing them. You know, women are capable of doing these jobs and it's more and more and more acceptable to see them in these positions. So I think really just getting the word out and just encouraging everyone to look outside their comfort zone. Comfort zone. That's interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times, especially in the trades, they're a little mysterious to people. They don't really know what they are. You know, if you're not involved in the industry, you don't really know what they are. You don't really know what it's about. You don't know how they work. So I think that we need to help the trades do a better job of outreach. But it also seems like some of the trade subcontractors, you know, the, the, sometimes they're prime, sometimes they're subs, but there's the trades contractors. Seems like a really great place for recruiting women as well. We we do an outreach. It's it's a contract requirement uh, on most jobs that you try to recruit women and minority workers. Um, and we participate in all of those programs where we put ads in papers, we send out notices to all the local unions and things like that. I just it's important that women know where to look for these jobs. And I don't I don't know if that's readily available to them. Hope you're enjoying this show. Every time you and your team step foot onto a construction project, you bring your business culture with you. For any construction project to succeed, there must be a high trust culture. It doesn't matter if you're in planning, design, construction, or startup phases. The more trust you bring and build, the better your results. I've created a free resource for you, the Trusted Leader Profile, so you can know exactly the level of trust you bring to your business and projects and what you can do to boost trust. You can grab that at sudico.com slash profile. That's S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile, P-R-O-F-I-L-E. And I hope that you'll remember that always high trust equals high performance, and it really depends on you. Now back to the show. The trade associations too probably could do more. We, we just need really think that we need to think about this as an industry and really figure out how do we do a better outreach. I mean, right. we talk to each other, but right. how do we reach beyond that? Like into the colleges, even maybe even into the high schools and, uh, and help people see more uh, of, of the opportunities because you can really create quite a, a career for yourself in the industry. And you get to build stuff. Right. It's very cool to be part of something that maintains our infrastructure for me personally. You know, you're you're maintaining everyone needs roads and bridges and you know to get they gotta get the work or they have to get on vacation. That's that's important. <laughs> so, you know, for me it, it is. It's you're a part of something bigger. And I think a lot more people and especially women would be fulfilled by that. 
I also have seen, watched you. You are so able to hit everything. You know, that most project managers hope for that, but they don't actually achieve it. And what you're doing is not easy. I mean, there's a lot of complexity to it. For those of you who don't know, you know, when you're sandblasting a bridge, you can't have one little speck land into the bay below. Oh, it's yeah. complicated. It's the you having containments, you have it's complex. And then then all, maybe you don't have enough paint. You can't get the right kind of paint. And mm-hmm. and yet Tara's always ahead of it so that we never end up with a problem. Oh, I've taken care of that. I've got the paint on hand or her gene or crew have taken care of it. I mean, the level of detail and planning and organization that you bring is pretty phenomenal. Thank you. I appreciate that. So let's talk about some barriers that we think exist in the industry for outreach, you know, just bringing women in, like why would women want to come in and what are some barriers do you see or you've experienced in the industry that would prevent uh, a woman or even others? It's not just women. It's people that are just not right now represented in the I think I touched on that a little bit where there's maybe a stigma or an apprehension for women or certain maybe types or different types of people from jumping into the construction industry. And I think it's come a long way. And I don't know that everyone is aware of that. I'm not sure that everyone knows how many opportunities. And that, again, goes right back to where do they find out this information? And like you were saying, colleges, they have job fairs and they have things like that. But I'm not sure unions or trades are properly represented. And I think that would be a good place to start is when they have these job fairs is in directly unions or representatives of large construction companies. I think it would be an asset to go out and and just to inform everyone that these jobs are here and they're available to everyone and anyone. Consider and then, it. And, and then women can do it. Right. Listen, I have met many women that are out there slinging paint buckets and, you know, they are just as capable to do the work, to perform the physical aspects of the job. One of the barriers I think there might be is a perception of um, how many commercials do you see or movies where uh, a couple of things, the contractor is always the bad guy, right? The person always the one who did it. And the other thing you see, the guys whistling and hooping and hollering at, at women walking by. So they, there's this stereotype that it's not a safe place, maybe. Right. And then when we hear about things that like go on in the, the movie production uh, scandals we've seen in the last few years, I think women are tend to be a little bit fearful, maybe, of what am I walking into? So it's, right. what has your experience been? I have never been in a situation where I felt I was not able to either get out of it or control it, change the narrative almost. I've never been pushed into a corner to that extent. There's comments and there's crude remarks, not necessarily towards me, but just in general 
Um, I think, you know, uh, people get out onto a site where you're dirty and you're sweating and you're tired and you're achy and they, things fly out of their mouth. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in, hey, knock it off, you know? And in my experience and the times that I've had to even go there, which is, again, I'm lucky, very few times, it's it's stopped and it's never happened again. You know, there's no repeat offenders. And I think that's like where this is progressing. Like, I don't think it was the same 20 or 30 years ago. I think it was a very different story. But for me, I've always been able to nip it in the bud as soon as it happens. You know, as soon as it even gets close to that line, you're like, hey, that's enough. And it goes away. And the, and the people that I work with, the crews that I've worked with have always been respectful. They respect my authority. They respect where I'm coming from. And I think movies and Hollywood gave it a bad name then. You know, like it was happening, but nowadays it's less and less and less. And with more women in the industry, it's even less and less and less because women are stronger and they're standing up and they're saying, that's enough. Stop. You know, or I don't want to hear that. And the, and the other people on the crew are taking that and respecting that because it's not like it used to be. You can't get away with that. People are going to hold you accountable nowadays. So I, I think again, I keep saying that I'm lucky and I feel that I am. And I know other women have struggled or been abused and it's not okay. But again, I think the industry has come a long way and I think it's headed in even a better direction. And I think more women being in this field would help that because it would be more people holding the others accountable for what they're doing wrong. And my experience has been is that when you have your crew or your team with you and someone says something that they think is inappropriate, you don't have to do anything. They go like, cut that out. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, you're not doing that. No, you're not going there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's great. And that, that goes along with it. It's, it's not just, it's, it's not like it was. And I'm not saying it's perfect and I'm not saying everyone follows all the rules, but it is getting better. And again, I think more women out there fighting the good fight, it'll, it'll be less and less and less. Yeah, I agree. I think construction has got a lot more sophisticated and it's like exponentially does like every year more and more capable of doing things. So if you had a magic wand and you could wave it to overcome any of these barriers, what would you do? I think I would get rid of egos. <laughs> and, and you know, I would really get rid of like an old school mentality because that's, in my opinion, where a lot of this comes from. That's still happening. Even though it's less and less, it's still there. And a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it is that old school mentality. And if you could erase that from the world or the industry, at least, I think some of these barriers would fall a lot faster. It's definitely evolving out. You know, less people will put up with it now. Right. Because it doesn't work. 
you know, right. It's pretty pragmatic. It doesn't work. Right. It makes it worse. Yeah. It makes it so that you aren't really going to succeed as a project or as a team. So what parting advice might you give to contractors, designers, owners, construction managers, and trade peoples, and even unions who might be out there listening? This is advice I give anybody that ever asked me, and it's just go for it. Like, if you hate it, you don't have to do it anymore. If But you might end up loving it. So it's just go for it. And for women especially, if they want it, just go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Somebody tells you no, so you move on and go for something else. It's it's very important that as a person, everyone in the world goes after what they want because that's the way to be happy, in my opinion. So, and there's no harm in it. What can happen? You get told no and you move on and you do something else. So that's it. I, I would just go for it. I went for it. When I wanted something, I said, I want it. And yes, there are times I was told no, or you have to wait or you're not ready. But I kept going for it. And I'm hoping that my goals keep coming true because I keep going for it. So excellent. That's super. Yeah. And there's lots of places in the industry too. It's, it's right. Oh, yeah. So many places. Yeah. So how can people find you if they wanted to find out more from you? I have, I'm on LinkedIn under Tara Rowe, R O H E. And I have an email address, just tararowe at gmail.com. I'll put those in the show notes for anybody who wants to find you. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I enjoy you so much and uh, admire all that you do and your capabilities and abilities. I, they're really remarkable. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Okay, Construction Nation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust. Will you do me a favor? If you think this episode can help anyone on your team or business, please forward it to them. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And your honest review, hopefully five stars, is much appreciated. Every leader who learns how to build their business and projects on a foundation of trust is going to reap the rewards of greater productivity, attracting the best of the best, enjoying your business more, and doing things you thought were impossible. If you want to know where you are in your trusted leader journey, I have a free resource for you. Please just go to sudico.com slash profile, S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile. And you can grab it there and find out where you are on your trusted leader journey. And so that is a wrap for today. Can't wait until I get a chance to hang out with you again next week. And until then, have a great day.